Hey everybody and welcome to Concert Conversations brought to you by the beautiful Waterbury Palace and also our great sponsor Ion Bank. As you may know, the Palace Theater is observing its 100th year anniversary and it's coming up soon. In fact, there's a special show called Concert Legends and it's going to be on October 14th at 7 p.m. at the Palace Theater. I'm going to be the MC. And we have two incredible people that are going to be talking to us about some stories, uh, especially uh, music uh, at the Palace Theater. And that's Mike uh, Lapatino and Mr. Coplet that everybody knows. You guys are so well known here. We're so glad to have you. So, so Jim, you, you have... Um, had people like the Rolling Stones, you, you've uh, had Paul McCartney, Bruce Springsteen, REO Speedwagon, it just goes on, Madonna, just goes on and on. And Mike, I know that you are the longest running talent for WPLR in their 50-year history. 35 years. Yeah, that's that's incredible. And and most importantly, I read that if you weren't going to be a radio personality, you would be a secret service agent. So uh, <laughs> So I have, have said that. I have no no idea how that that came in there, but I'm I'm assuming there's some real similarities between the two jobs. Well, we'll yeah, leave it I, at that. It, it's all about getting the girls. You know? <laughs> I figure if, if you're involved with rock and roll or a Secret Service agent, maybe you can get girls that way. I, I well, don't know. Well, you know, I, you I, I am, I'm a full-time musician, well, and so I did it particularly for the women. Well, that's true, too. I couldn't be secret because I never keep a secret. That's, <laughs> that's, and it's funny because uh, a funny story that, that has been every time I see Jim, we see each other a lot. We've known each other for Geez, you know, 35 years. Yeah. So sometimes I'm privy to a lot of uh, conversations that Jimmy has with other promoters and bands. And, and I always get all of a sudden he's talking about stuff and then he'll glance over and look at me and make that look like you better keep your mouth shut. Yeah. And I always say, well, listen, if I want to keep going to concerts like I do, I'll keep my mouth shut. <laughs> well, well, you know, I, I know you guys have got great stories, but I would love to hear a story about each of you from the other person. Any any uh, any stuff that would be fun for people to hear? Well, a, a lot of stories that I have about Jimmy, I'm using for uh, the October 14th show because okay. uh, uh, the Palace Theater, again, a remarkable, a remarkable venue. And back in the day, you know, prior before they, they closed for the renovation, it was a stop, and Jimmy knows more about this than I do, but it was a stop from New York to Boston. Yeah. Um, back in the 70s, there really wasn't a lot of concert venues, uh, you know, that, that were that were popular, and that place was. You know, they would stop there uh, on their way to Boston or vice versa. Is that right, Jim? No, you're 100% you're right. I had a combination of that was my, the only market that Shelley Finkel, my partner, and I did concerts in. So in order to include us on a tour... Uh, and to help us, you know, stay in business, essentially, it had to be a play in Connecticut. And secondarily, the Waterbury Palace Theater, as most people know, is one of those was one of those great old grand theaters. Now it's a renovated great theater. But yeah. back then it really was a, a beautiful old theater that were extraordinarily popular in those days, just like the Fillmore was in New York and the Boston Music Hall was in Boston. And you'd get artists to play either 
come from Boston and maybe even stop in Providence at the Palace in Providence and then come down to the Waterbury Palace and then continue down to New York where they would play the probably the Beacon Theater, which is an old, great restored uh, theater also. Um, well, actually, it's restored now, but yeah. back then it wasn't restored. So that was really the chosen venues of the day, of the time. Arena business really wasn't popular till the mid-70s. And yeah, I exactly. started doing concert in 1970. My first show in, in, was in 1972 at the Palace. So uh, it, there were no arena shows in 72, essentially. We had a small hockey rink in New Haven that was just right. 2,000 tickets more than the theater that where we did our arena shows. You know what I what I love though is is because the palace is celebrating a hundred years. You know we've been getting a lot of information of of shows that they had back in the back in the twenties. <laughs> I mean this place was the place to go to in the twenties, the thirties. Uh, I think Jimmy and I were at the Marx Brothers show that was there in nineteen twenty five. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, we were we were up there with the Zeppo and and Groucho. I would never but go seriously. to show with Zeppo. But, but to look back at the history, it's it's really amazing. So by the time the 70s rolled around, and of course rock and roll music, you know, uh, and concerts starting to happen more and more. I remember the very first concert I ever saw was 1968 Cream, and that was at Staples High School at the auditorium because they had a brand new auditorium then. I think it was about maybe 500 seats or so. Uh, but that's when, you know, uh, venues started to, to happen, and the palace was already established. So I guess it only made sense to have all those great shows there. Uh, Jim, Jim, what what was that first show in, would you say, 72? Yes, my first show, my first show, again, I'm, I'm sure the Palace had other shows there before I got there, but I started my first show in Connecticut was January 72. My first show at the Waterbury Palace Theater was on March 3rd of 1972, and that was King Crimson. Wow. <laughs> I'm amazed that you can remember the date and the year. I can't remember yesterday. No, I can't. I actually can't. I have it written in front of me. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. I wasn't going to tell Jimmy's got a whole team, of, a whole staff of people just to remind him who he is. It's, uh... <laughs> well, why do you think we and just I've seen do that audio? firsthand. <laughs> so I, I know you guys have got a ton of stories, and I don't want to do the spoiler alert thing, that's for sure, but. I would love to whet people's appetites of what they're going to see at the show on October uh, 14. Um, can you give us one you're not going to share, maybe? Well, you know, um, boy, there's just so many. Uh, I, I look at it that uh, if I'm in the audience looking at us on stage, I, I always have this uh, conception of uh, of the old Sesame Street show where you see those two old guys up in the, up in the balcony. <laughs> that's pretty much that's what you're coming to see, you know. <laughs> a couple of guys that, you know, we'll talk about something and then we'll go back to a subject and say, oh, wait a minute, I remember you know, uh, I mean, combined ages between me and Jimmy, I think it's over 150. So it's, wow. there's a lot of years of experience there. Yeah. No, no. And, and you're right. And the problem is, is that if we tell a story, we might tell it again and we'll tell a story. I don't mind telling a story. We'll, but but oh, yeah. Mike and I go off script. Mike, Mike will have his agenda ready yeah. to go. And I would venture by the third or fourth point. We have gone off that agenda because Mike thinks so fast on his feet and I have to try to follow him. I have to try to follow him because his job is talking. That's his business. Yeah. He's talking. So I try to follow him. But if you know him, 
He's got a little ADD, so he just yeah, yeah. moves on from piece to piece. So Not a little, sort of a like lot. The, the dance partner of his, trying to follow his steps. Well, uh, yeah, only, yeah, let me. Yeah, but you know what? I promise. I was. I'm, I was thinking all about this. Uh, I'm going to try to keep my mouth shut because um, you've got some great stories, and uh, and of course, the, the, I think one of the cream of the crop stories. And I'm not going to go into detail uh, because it's a great story, and I've heard it so many times, and it just sounds better and better every time I hear it. Is when uh, the Grateful Dead were at the, uh, and they've been, and they went to the. I think you booked them a few times at the Palace. No, that, that, that's true, but it was the first time that I had them in the house that I had yeah. that experience with them. Yeah, and it's an experience uh, that is definitely one of the highlights of the story. I'm sure glad it happened to him and not me, because I think I would have totally freaked out. Uh, though I think you freaked out a little bit, too. I think it was a two-night uh, appearance in September of 72 of the Dead at the Palace. And they knew I was staying over in the, at the Holiday Inn downtown. So they thought it'd be a great idea to uh, dose me with some acid, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which was so, which is something that the dead did to everybody. Oh, you know, I mean, they they were very known to you know uh, dose people. You right, have to be careful. Right. One of the classic ones is uh, if you ever see on uh, you know on the social media when you see Playboy After Dark, and I remember I used to watch. I was a little kid then, but I used to watch it at night because I was always hoping to see a Playboy bunny. But right. they they were on they were on uh, that show. And how weird it is to see these cool cats, you know, drinking highballs and smoking cigarettes. And <laughs> and there was the Grateful Dead, and apparently they dosed the whole crew. <laughs> and <laughs> and it's a great show to watch if you ever, ever get to see it on the you know on YouTube. Uh, but you know, and, and and there's so many more of that stuff too. And the legends that came there that Jimmy uh, bought there, uh, and a lot of these bands, first time that we got to see them in the United States. Queen is a perfect example. No, no, yeah, and, and and if you think of the Pink Floyd show they had, we had there, yes, in, in uh, March of '73, I think it was. Um, Dark Side of the Moon uh, it was one of the first times they ever played songs from Dark Side of the Moon, which became. One of the biggest albums of all time. Um, so I mean, they, they, they've had some historic uh, concerts there for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, when what year they 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 closed in? Was it nineteen eighty nine or nineteen ninety? Now, what was maybe a little later than when they did the renovation? What year was that? I I truly don't know that. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, I know it was because I remember coming to PLR and doing some shows up there when it was the old theater and then it closed for a few years. And I think it reopened back in, I think in 2002. Uh, and I remember going to the shows then and I mean, the theater, uh, I mean, I'm sure everybody listening are familiar with it. If not, it's just a beautiful restored theater, just like uh, the old days. Uh, and I remember doing a lot of shows up there too. A uh, great, great venue. I can't wait to do the show on October 14th. The, yeah. You know, I just played there and, uh, I, I remember thinking half the time, my God, I'm in a palace, the gold filigree, and the sound is is amazing. And yes. if people haven't been to the palace, they have to realize the the area is really beautiful. It's safe. It's got great parking, uh, and it, it is a beautiful theater. It's going to be a great event, uh, October 14th. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm definitely looking forward to it because it, it and it seems like we're going back to that to the smaller venues. You know, and, and again, Jimmy knows more about this than I do, but it, it seems like that seems to be like the going thing now, I guess. Uh, why that is, I'm not quite sure, but I love the idea of going to smaller venues because it's a little bit more intimate. 
uh, and you know, I just enjoy it. It's just much more of an enjoyable concert experience. Well, I, I can't wait to see you guys on acid. I'm I, I'm stuck on that, <laughs> on, on that story. That. You know, I'm yeah. wondering I'm wondering if you did anything bizarre during that uh, that moment, those moments. You know, I every time I've been in the backstage area with Jimmy, it, it's uh, I've and again, people have these you know conceptions of you know wildness that goes on nowadays. I mean, it's strictly business. I mean, there's no reason anybody wants to be back there because they're conducting business, they're working. Uh, back in the '70s, I guess it was a little bit more relaxed. And again, you know, Jimmy being a, a whole lot older than I am. Uh, well, remember, <laughs> I, what, five, I think you're five years. I think you're five years older than I am. But um, yeah, I think you're right. I think it is five years. I think it's five years. Yeah. I was born in the '40s, and you were born in the '50s. In the '50s, a better way to make you sound much younger than me. Yes, it does, and I like that. <laughs> I don't blame you, and I don't. <laughs> but even though back in those days, I mean, when you got dosed by the dead and, and other bands coming around, it was a little bit more. I mean, it was new back then for rock concerts and backstage areas and the shenanigans that went along with it, you know, because it's all, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, right. uh, and probably more prevalent back in the, uh, in the, in the seventies and eighties. than it certainly is today. No, no uh, question about it. I mean, uh, I always, uh, the bands, the artists did not get paid a whole lot of money. Yeah. That's just the way it was. They did not get paid a whole lot of money. Yeah. And, uh, but, well, what was we sure, but what we made sure what we did is we, we did drugs together and that's how yeah. you got really friendly with the artists was, you know, hanging backstage and, uh, yeah. and, you know, doing what you do in your living room. Let's put it that way backstage. And exactly. that's how the artists got to know you. So, uh, you well, know, that's, and, and you built, you built relationships that way because it's all under the umbrella of rock and roll. You know? Right. 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 And, and, and nobody was afraid of drugs back then also. Now people are much thank thankfully, People yeah. are much more afraid of drugs right now, and yeah. the drug use was 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 usually marijuana. It wasn't, you know, right. unless it was the dead or something like that. It was usually usually pot yeah. that was. Now it's drug. Propecia and Maalox uh, for some of <laughs> <laughs> I know it is for me. <laughs> uh, I always have a jar of Pepto Bismol with me at all times. I'm telling <laughs> yeah. you right now. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, but I just remember, I, and I get, I, I, we can even talk about the first time. Uh, well, actually, the first time I met Jimmy, and I remember this. It was I just got the PLR in 1986, and I was doing uh, Sundays. It was 1987, uh, January 1987, when I started doing full time uh, afternoon drive. So I would come there every day. Uh, and Jimmy and uh, the late great Mike Sperndel from Toads used to stop up a lot during the week and see our midday person. Then it was a woman by the name of Christina, a really nice, nice lady. They would bring guys up. And I remember the first time I met Jimmy Coplick is when I first met Roger Glover at Deep Purple because he was bringing them up there. I guess they were doing the New Haven Coliseum. Uh, and they're bringing him up for an interview. So it was an exciting, I remember it, uh, very exciting, not only meeting this guy that heard his name, you know, Coplick and Finkel, but also the bass player from Deep Purple at the same time. That was a great, uh, that was a great double whammy for me, I'll tell you that. Uh, Roger was a very close personal friend. Roger was the leader of the band. I mean, although he was the bass player, he yeah. was the leader of Deep Purple. He, he produced their music. He wrote a lot of their music, but he was also the, one who told them what to do and everybody. Well, I think he, he's like the, I mean, they, they've had different lineups, you know, the deep purple, line, but he's been in all of them pretty much uh, yes. from the get go, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, you're right. You're right. So, so bringing him up to PLR was especially nice and it was good to meet Lappy for the first yeah. time. 
And it was that. I, I, it was the. I don't know if you remember Christina. It was before the Pam, Pam Landry days, and uh, and after that we you know became friendly, uh, and then it wasn't until nineteen, I believe ninety one, uh, when um, you were trying. Jimmy was trying to bring Paul McCartney to the Yale Bowl. Uh, and that was like the preset of uh, the Mike and Jimmy concert show that we did on PLR for over 10 years. Because uh, Jimmy would come on, would talk about in the afternoon. And there was a lot of, uh, I mean, there was a, a lot of turmoil that went involved with that. There was the, the Amity section of the wave, and they were just so against. Uh, and it was a beetle, for God's sake, of, of having, having that there. And that's when we started doing stuff on the air in the afternoons. Uh, and then from there, it grew into the Mike and Jimmy concert show. But I remember that it was uh, it was Paul McCartney coming to uh, the Yale Bowl. That uh, it never happened. No, because one of the town aldermen decided uh, it was not a good idea, and he convinced everybody else. He steamrolled. I never saw a politician steamroll other politicians the way this guy did. Yeah, and then when McCartney heard about that, the whole situation, he just he dropped out. He said he didn't want to be involved. Exactly and, right. He didn't want know. me to fight anymore. Yeah, exactly. Which typical, typical of, of Paul McCartney. One of my, you know, my favorite Beatles. They're all my favorites, but you know, always had something special for Paul, like like all of us did with the, each different member of that band. Um, but yeah, but that that would have been cool. But what happened is that you had McCartney. Uh, what was it, a few years later down at the Hartford Civic Center? Yes. Yes, 2001, yeah. we had him at the Hard Pacific Center. Yeah, I remember I sat next to you, and it's something, that's something I'll tell about Jimmy. You don't often see him, you know, watching a concert because, quite frankly, he's backstage and he's working, you know. Uh, and there's only a handful of, 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 of uh, and I could, maybe I'm speaking out of school, but there's only a handful of bands that he'll actually go sit and watch. McCartney, obviously, is one of them. And the other show that I actually saw Jimmy at, uh, where he was, I think he was standing on line to, uh, to to get something signed. Was Brian Wilson, you know? Yes, right. uh, I know those are two of two of uh, Jimmy's uh, favorite bands, right there, Beach Boys and Beatles, right there. No, no, you're right. I actually stood on line to get an yeah. autograph. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of my, own, my own show. Yeah, at his own show too. <laughs> and Jimmy's not that kind of guy. I mean, he's not a star, you know, uh, seeker or anything like that. He's business, you know. When it comes to, he loves music obviously, uh, and loves promoting and, you know, even going back to the early days out of, what would you go, Ohio State University? Yes. Ohio yeah, State. Well, you, I think the first show was Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf in 1968. Yeah, yeah, with bar mitzvah money. With my bar mitzvah money. <laughs> <laughs> it went to good use. <laughs> you know, I, I wish you guys were a little more dynamic. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm uh, I'm talking too much. I can see that being an MC for you guys is going to be here's Mike and Jimmy, and then I take a nap. Well, you, <laughs> you can do that. You have a disc <laughs> Oh yeah, I, yeah. The problem is, is is probably running too long. You know, we can't shut up. Plus, we got the we didn't even talk about Eric Herbst and Dizzy Fish. What an incredible band they are. And they can pretty much do anything that we're going to be talking about. That's right. They're going to be the, the featured uh, band. So. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they played for Jimmy before at the Oakdale. Uh, I think maybe twice, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I think there's another show coming up next year that Eric does. He does this great uh, best of 70 show with a choir and everything else. It's uh, uh, he's I've known him uh, since I got the PLR. He used to go on the morning show with Smith and Barber. Uh, and you know, play music and everything, and, and he's a he's a great guy. He's a good, you know, he's a he's a real true musician, and uh, really loves what he does. And you, you'll you'll all see that uh, on Thursday, 
that's going to be a good show. We're going to take a very short break uh, for our sponsor, Ion Bank. And then I want to come back and just ask you guys not to give us any detail, but maybe mention a couple of bands you're going to be talking about uh, during the show. So we'll be right back. All right. Business owners know you have to take control of your cash flow to grow your business. Ion Bank has a full range of cash management tools to help you save time, work more efficiently, and prevent fraud. It's never been quicker or easier to take control of your cash flow so your business can take off. Learn more about Ion Bank's cash management tools at ionbank.com, member FDIC. Welcome back, everybody. This is Concert Conversations. Today, we have a very special edition with two icons in the music business, entertainment business, Mike Lapatino from WPLR. You're on uh, weekdays uh, 1 to 7, is that right? Yes, correct. It, it's always been afternoons, and they've kind of changed the hours uh, over the years. In the beginning, it was 2 to 6, then it was 3 to 7, then it was 2 to 7. <laughs> that Boy, makes it all, but it's been... work longer. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll bet. You know what? It's, uh, you know, and I say this all the time, find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I mean, I love what I do. You know, it's like Jimmy loves what he does, too. We uh, Retirement is not a word that's really in our vocabulary, but only because I wouldn't know what to do. I mean, I love doing this. It's great. I know Jimmy does, too. Well, you know, you um, should have Jim maybe negotiate your contract, Mike. I'm, yeah, we, we, I'm thinking he could get you like six to seven, and you'd you'd be good. You know, and on, Jim, on a personal note, and this is nobody. I've always not only is Jimmy like one of my one of my dearest, and closest friends, best friends, uh, but he's also been a tremendous mentor to me. Uh, and, and what I like about him is that if I have situations, and this is, again, you're going, we're talking over 30 years, that I would talk to him about certain things. Uh, it wasn't like he always sided with me. He would, he would tell me when I was right or when I was wrong, and I really appreciated that because it, it put my career into a different perspective for me because I said, you know something, here's a guy that's been a successful businessman running his own business. Uh, so I'm going to listen to what he's got to say because he's successful at what he does. And, and I have, and it's always been, uh, you know, I've always, anytime I have an issue, uh, or, or, or a problem when it comes to business, I, I, the first person I call is always Jimmy, because I know I'm going to hear, you know, he's going to shoot from the hip. He's going to tell me exactly what it's all about. And, uh, and I really respect that. That's good to have a friend like that. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he yeah, doesn't ask, does he doesn't ask me for never, anything. He's but, never uh, paid me a nickel. He never not treated a, me to a lunch. Not a second. Never you put a me. gallon of gas in my car. No. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> I've tried. I've tried to buy lunch, but my arms are too short. Well, the friendship broke up on this show. Who is the smarter businessman? <laughs> he yeah. or me? It sounds to me like he's the smarter businessman than me. Uh, and if Jimmy needs advice from me. He never asks. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you put gas in his car. <laughs> so hey Jim, just uh, just I know you have promoted the biggest acts on the planet. Uh, can you just give us a quick list, maybe, of who you're going to be talking about on uh, October 14th? Yeah, um, we're going to certainly talk about the Grateful Dead shows that I have the pleasure of actually hearing pieces of it on the Grateful Dead channel on Sirius XM. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. It's really a kick because I could point to that radio 
and not tell my kids or my grandkids. Mm. I actually tripped at that show. Um, <laughs> yeah, he tripped over a cable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't a, want to go any that deeper. Was, that was this. an Eagle show. I did that once. That was very embarrassing. <laughs> but I did that an Eagle show. But uh, I, and then we're going to talk about Pink Floyd mm-hmm. uh, at the Palace, which which I checked was March 18th of '73, and it was the first time they played live any parts of the uh uh dark side of the moon because yeah. that was released on march 17th of 1980 of 1973 and i think they did nine songs from that album uh at that concert uh on march 18th so it was really the first time that anybody ever heard any parts of dark side of the moon live uh, and so, there's also a queen uh, they were when they came there they were an opening act i think from mata hoople and I could be I could be wrong on that. I'm going by memory. I'm not looking at a piece of paper, but I know they were an opening act. I got a feeling that's who who it was because well, there were, were a lot of great opening acts. I mean, we've had oh, Russell yeah. open there a couple of times, uh, um, so it, it was a great venue for opening acts. No question, of, you know, for super eventual superstars. Uh, I mean, I'm looking real. Fleetwood Mac opened up for Deep Purple once out there, hmm. uh, and I'm you know I'm looking. Rush opened up for Blue Oyster Cult. Um, Rush opened up for Kiss. Wow. Uh, Kansas opened up for Foghat. Charlie Daniels opened up for Leonard Skinner. The Cars <laughs> opened up for Jay Giles. I mean, we can go on and on yeah, how many yeah. great opening acts there were. Def Leppard opened up for Blackfoot. I mean, uh, Jeez, so that's, a, that's a bizarre line. All these artists really, really early in yeah. their career at the Waterbury Palace Theater as opening acts. Right. Well, didn't you tell me the Cars didn't have an album out when they opened up for Jay Giles' band. It was just when they getting started. I thought of a great idea. Let's do an evening with Jay Giles' band. Um, I thought it would be something nice. They were well into their career at that point. Uh, It was 1977. And I said, why don't we do an evening with? They loved the idea, and then they became friendly with a fellow Boston band that had not even put an album out yet called The Cars. And they called up and said, we'd like to bring our friends down. Okay, look, tell me who they are, what they're getting paid. They were getting paid $100. And the name of the band was The Cars. Well, I had never heard of The Cars before. Wow. So there it was. And and musically, it doesn't quite fit, which is ironic. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't quite fit together. But uh, they were friends. So they wanted to put them in front of one of their shows. So they brought them down to Waterbury. And The Cars opened up. Uh, and The Cars didn't even have recorded music out at the time. That's amazing. That's amazing. And, and there's, you know what, you look at the list uh, of all the shows like in the 70s. I mean, and that story is, is quite popular with a lot of bands, you know, back in that day, getting started in the 70s. Uh, you had a big run with Marshall Tucker, too. They, they played there a bunch of times. Yeah, it was really their favorite venue in the Northeast was uh, the Waterbury Palace. Yeah. Um, and the J- yeah, Jerry they, they Garcia band, I JGP. I how many times they played there, but you're right, they played there a whole Yeah, time. yeah. And and Jerry Garcia band also there are a lot as well. You know, not only the we dead, played Jerry Garcia band, there. we also played Olden in the Way at the Palace Theater. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, one of the options. acoustic. Uh, yeah, sort of Dave Grisman and Jerry right. Garcia and Vassar Clemens. Peter Rowan, Vassar yeah. Clemens, yeah. John Kahn. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, what a great band. I mean, yeah. you know, legends all right there. Amazing. Right. And then seeing this for like the first time for for all of us, pretty much. Uh, was just absolutely remarkable. 
Well, I can see you guys have one or two stories that you're going to be able to share. Um, just want to remind everybody that uh, to watch this great thing called Concert Legends on October 14th uh, starts at 7 p.m. Uh, get your tickets in advance. I'm sure they're going to go quickly. Uh, it's www.palacetheaterconnecticut.org, and that's Palace Theater CT. Dot org and you're going to hear some great stories from these guys and i i i think i'm just going to be introducing you guys and that that will be it for me so well what's going to be a fun game that we're going to play is that uh the audience can uh, figure out which which stories are true and which ones we're making up because <laughs> <laughs> to be quite honest with you i can't tell the difference <laughs> well you know in that case i'll tell you a couple of stories <laughs> We're going to hear more about the dropping acid thing. I am uh, absolutely positive. So, uh, <laughs> yes, we, we'll bring that. some with us uh, for the night of the show. Uh, <laughs> uh, you yeah, know, I'm not taking but, any drinks from you guys. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, neither am I. I'm bringing my own. I'm, I'm nervous. <laughs> you know, I'll but I'll tell you, quick, I'll tell you quickly that to me, it's uh, it, it for me personally. This is a, a is a double honor. Uh, to have my name associated uh, with Jimmy and being on the marquee at the Palace Theater is uh, is definitely a highlight. And I'm very honored uh, and proud to be a part of this. I really am because I love Jimmy and uh, and I love the Palace Theater. I mean, this is, again, a double honor for me and I, I couldn't thank you enough. Can't wait for the show. Me neither. And, and people who know me know I hate everything. So uh, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I really am excited about this. You guys are, are fantastic. You already gave us uh, enough to whet our, our appetites. So uh, we are going to see you on October 14th at 7 p.m. at the Palace Theater in Waterbury. Thanks so much, guys. You got it. Take it easy, Tom. See you Alrighty. in a couple of weeks. Thank you. You got it, Tom. Thanks. All right. And Jimmy, I'll see you next Tuesday at lunch. Can't wait. <laughs> Cats is deli. Here we come. I'm coming. Here we Buy come him some gas. <laughs>